Hello and welcome to the HPP podcast. This week's episode is hosted by a guest who is part of the Health Promotion Practice Journal family. Enjoy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to People Power and Photo Voice. We're talking to authors in the field of photo voice, and we're here hosted by the Journal of Health Promotion Practice. It's a special series of podcasts on photo voice with the little method that could change the world. We have a special issue coming up totally focused on photo voice in January 2022. And for those of you new to photo voice, it's a participatory visual method where participants take and discuss photos on health promotion issues relevant to their lives and then act to change them through raising awareness, mitigation of problems and transformation of the policies that oppress us. Yes, in advance of this special issue, we want to have you meet some of the folks behind this project and with a brief opportunity to chat about their experiences with the method, the people they work with, their thoughts about the roots and the frontiers of the application of this method and the world of health promotion and the power that is within us. All right, so kicking out to this inaugural series, we have in the room, I'm so excited, we have Kathleen Rowe, uh, who's the editor of the Health Promotion Practice, and my own personal childhood hero, Bob Strack, even though he's about the same age as me, uh, he is in the room. So uh, welcome, both of you. Do you want to just say hi, a little chit-chat? This is a podcast. You can laugh. You can be on camera. I love the fact that you're so enthusiastic, and it's 11 o'clock here, but it's only 8 o'clock there. So you've obviously had your share of coffee already. This is awesome. Yeah, this is a a side plug to Cafe Valhalla, just down the street. uh, Brutal brew, but it does the work. Kathy, how are you doing this morning? Good morning. I'm just fine. I'm so excited to be here with both of you. Thanks for setting this up. It's so super to have you. And, and you really kind of had this germ of this idea when you started as an editor that you wanted to do a photo voice issue. Why? Why? What, what got you going? You know, it's even older than that because I was on the founding board of Health Promotion Practice as an associate editor. And the very first issue of Health Promotion Practice in 2000 had as one of its most important articles, a contribution by Caroline Wang. It was only, I think, about the third or fourth publication she had done on photo voice at the time. And it, it was selected for our very first issue for very particular reasons. It was an exciting method. It was a generative method. It introduced technology, cameras, <laughs> introduced technology and power. It changed the agency of research from researcher to participant and collaborator. And it, it required that there be an action towards systems or policy change embedded in the method and the timeline and the outcomes of the project. And for health promotion practice, that seemed like exactly what we wanted to infuse in all kinds of research. So 20, more than 20 years ago, I was excited about this method and so proud that this little journal that I was getting to be a part of was featuring it so so centrally in its very first issue. So 20, 15, 20 years later, when I became editor-in-chief of Health Promotion Practice, I wanted to revisit that. I, I wanted to have an issue that would bring together the best of photo voice, the, some, some friendly, supportive critique of photo voice, some nudging it into the future, and some exemplars of what's the best of photo voice. I couldn't, oh, but I couldn't do it by myself, right? I, I can't do it because I don't do photo voice research. So I had to put together a group. So first I invited Bob onto our editorial board with this idea in mind. 
And then I seated Robin at a luncheon next to Bob as yeah, this idea started to grow. Yeah, it was like, yeah. Bob, I want you to sit next to this person, but there's no room, so you're going to be elbow to elbow, you're going to be buddies by the end of the lunch. This and is pre-COVID days, folks. This is pre-COVID. Exactly, pre-COVID. Yeah, and so there it is. We have dedicated an entire issue to photo voice. I think it's really important to note that this is not a funded issue. This is an issue put together by authors who love this method, who, who know the potential of this method and are committed to putting together something that you can read front to back full of photo voice articles and insight. Yeah, and, and, and I, I, love, I love what you said that, you know, maybe this was one of the first, one of the first methods to kind of crest this horizon of combining participatory action, you know, research, participatory action practice, right? It, it, but it crystallized it into this place where people were actually thinking about taking actions. Like yeah. it motivates people towards take action. So, you know, that, that's funny that this little camera suddenly began to sort of change the health promotion world in this, in this, in this unique way. Bob, you, you kind of came into this early. You were an early researcher as well in photo voice. How did you, how did, how did it grab you? Well, you know, sometimes it's just a matter of timing, right? And I think you and I have definitely talked about how we both got plugged into this method. I remember reading her photo novella article as a grad student. Yeah, it was just, it was one of those pieces that you read where you recognize not only the power of the method, but also the application. So I'm a, I'm a big Kurt Lewin fan. I believe that, you know, action research is what part of what we should do as professionals. I don't believe in leaving a community worse off after you going in there. So I've always believed that we have a role to play in society. So that method just out of the gate spoke to me. And it was so beautifully written. I mean, that's one thing I'll say. Carolyn's work is just so insightfully written. But it kind of stuck with me. And then when I went off to Baltimore and worked at Johns Hopkins, we, I thought, well, this is my chance to write a little proposal. We got $10,000 to do this project, $8,000 of which went to my grad student. And then we had $2,000 budget. And that's when we did our first photo voice project in Baltimore with young people in Highland Town, Canton of Baltimore. I mean, I think it's really the first time a publication came out with youth and trying to do the method with youth. At the time, because I have a health education background, I recognized we have this method, but we don't really have a very good tool set to guide people through it. So my Greek GA and I, we, we created a curriculum, like lesson one, what's our objectives, what are activities, lesson two, we did the whole thing. And we carried it out, it worked great. We published it and that was in HPP. I can't even remember, it was 2001, I guess. Yeah. And it's been cited a ton, but that was really when I got hooked in, you know, and after that, it was just, how do we, I think you accused me of this before. How do we bring it to the people? How do we bring it to the masses? How do we make it so people know how to do this method? What are the steps? What are these? Because I mean, I think, I think what you're also talking about, I, I, I keep thinking about your phrase around the power of the method. It's cheap. It, it, you know, it didn't, it doesn't cost a heck of a lot. It's, it's an incredibly powerful method. You shouldn't be, we, I, I mean, one of my cautions is don't, don't be deluded that it's going to be really easy just because it doesn't cost very much to do. However, it can, it, it can have this great power, right? And well, it can the power be comes because people get uh, excited and embraced and they invest their time. But, you know, honestly, now you got cell phones. Back then we had to buy $20 disposable cameras and get people to uh, donate you know, donate the development and donate the enlarging so you could have exhibits. So there are strategies to kind of do it, as you say, cheap. 
but that doesn't mean it's easy. That's the one thing I always remind people. It's like, you may be able to do this, you may be able to get people involved, but to do it well needs some conscious effort. And that's some of what, you know, the special issue is really trying to do. I mean, gosh, I mean, there's been so much published, there's been good and bad published on it. And there's so many things that need to be examined, torn apart, put back together, push the field. I mean, there's just so much this method can do. And can you think of, can you think of a better time in society when we need a method that gives voice and power to the people? I mean, so often as academics and researchers, we control the, the narrative in a way that I think is not healthy. And this is a chance to put this power, you know, like we always talk about power over, power with, you know, this is moving to the power with, power to, where the community is part of that conversation. You know, that's it's really where it's at. Because, because we got this, I, I, and I was thinking about your, you know, your sort of log, your lesson plan thing. That, that led through to the nation. I think that people picked up on that from that article. Because when I, when I started to think of doing a, a photo voice project, I was really interested in what's invisible, right? And so I got pushback with, because uh, childhood asthma and asthma inequities are, are, are kind of like this invisible thing, right? So they were like, how can you take a photograph of that? But I, I, I talked to a friend who was working with Latino communities in, in South Seattle. And she said, oh, yeah, it's great. I just did it with our, our group of kids in, in the youth center. You know, this was not a published thing. It was just through relationships. And she sent me this whole curriculum. And now I'm thinking that some of that probably was from you somehow inside oh, so. the curriculum. That's yeah, because it was like 2000, 2008, 2009, uh, when I was first encountering this. So Kathy, you've watched these photo voice projects come and go through the journal and, and you've seen these, these, these types of things happen. Where, where do you think, what, what are the future, what are the frontiers for you in terms of health promotion practice? You're, you're faculty emeritus now, you're looking at this, like these last sets of these uh, couple of journals for these next couple of years. Where do you want to send the field with this, with this project? Where, where do you think, what are the big issues we need to tackle right here, right now? What's the urgency? for this work? Oh, what a fantastic question. I think one thing I would love to see, and I'm sure that your this issue is going to do this, is to nudge, encourage researchers and practitioners of the method to take so seriously what it means to ask people to share their experience. When Bob said this is not a simple method, I think one of the places where that really comes up is where we see the impact of someone sharing their experience for the first time, or the impact of, of articulating through image what it means to live the life that they are living. And you know, we often, as researchers, we, we ask people about their experience all the time in surveys and in interviews and in focus groups, and then we walk away. Right. And they're left with their experience. They're left processing their experience, but we don't have to know anything about them. But in photo voice, because first of all, they share the participants share what they have, what they've captured, and then they're brought together to talk about it. So the researcher can't distance him or herself from the process they have stimulated. And I think that if we can, at this point in time, remind researchers and encourage them to take so seriously what happens when they ask a question, I would love to see this filter down or infuse our survey research, our focus group research, any time that we 
take our power to ask questions, to think about what that exchange is going to mean and what is our role in, in bringing everybody to a place of empowerment and confidence. You know, you raise a, you raise a great point. And I, this is not a photo voice project, but we, we did a group interviews with kids in group homes and shelters. And it, that was a very disenfranchised group. And one of the things we recognized in the process was in the Maryland area, a state around Baltimore and DC. But we spent so much time trying to engender confidence with the youth. And the thing we always told our youth was, you know, we're facilitators. You are the experts of your lives. And what you tell us is going to benefit the youth that come after you in the system. And to see the reaction, the ownership, the, the, just the manifest urgency that they had to share their story just yeah. stuck with me in a way that I can't even express. And so that, when you talk about researchers have to get on board, no, no, no. I said, yes, but it's really that the essence of the method is really taking the side step to positioning the people who are providing their stories, providing their images, dissecting their community, providing avenues for actions that they might wanna see. That's really it, right? That's the power of the method and that's the beauty of the method. And so any researcher that doesn't recognize their ethical responsibility to prov provide that platform of, I'll call it being a change agent within the situation, they're missing the power of the method. Right. You're a facilitator, you're not, you are not the source of knowledge. You're only the facilitator of that knowledge blossoming and making sure that you do your due diligence so that the powers that be, the influencers in the community are exposed to those voices. And to the extent that those people are not exposed, Shame on you. And that's really our ethical responsibility as researchers to make sure that we recognize that voice. So what I would hope from an, from an issue is that people who, people who do photo voice will be inspired by, by what they read, but that also people who use other methods. And, you know, we all use a mix of methods. So people who have never even imagined themselves doing a photo voice will question the, how, how much responsibility, how much thought have they given to the power of posing questions and to their responsibility to participants. The other thing that I love about this method that I would hope would be one of the contributions of this special issue and, and thus influence the field going forward is that a researcher always has a big outcome in mind, right? We don't do the, you don't start a photo voice project just to gather the photos and get the group together and be done with it. There's always the responsibility to take what participants have said or shown or shared and take it directly to a broader audience with action implications. Now, not everybody does that in photo voice and there's certainly a lot of really good adapted photo voice projects and, and work out there. But I believe that in, in the original method, the, the taking the experience that is shared to people with power to change the conditions that created the problem that was being examined is a part of the circle of photo voice. And if we could excite and inspire researchers who use all kinds of methods to be thinking about that responsibility and those endpoints, I think this issue would have tremendous impact. Can I guys, ask you a question, Robin? I want to just, I want to just, you guys, we're out of time. We didn't get a chance to talk about my stuff, but we'll be back with more of these series uh, to talk, talk more about that. I think what you've captured really is this sort of essential, this researcher with participant, health promotion practitioner with participant, with community member, really kind of coming up with 
the, the, the grand design for those objectives that will share power, change power relations, and change our world. This is this small little project that can. Um, so excited to have you both here today. Thank you very much. We are celebrating the people, power, and photo voice with health promotion practice. We're going to be talking to more uh, crazy people. Oh my gosh, we have got some amazing people from across the world inside uh, this, this health promotion practice special editorial board. It's been really fun to be in, uh, inside of this. Check back with us later. Thanks very much. We've been great. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you, Bob. And thank you to our earnest engineer, Arden Castle, here today. Thank you. I am curious, Robin. So I have a question for you, Robin. Kathy sat you next to me at the table. You know, you got, you got an invitation to be a part of the HHPP board, right? And you didn't even hesitate to be part of this special issue and you've been great. And now you've got this idea about this podcast and some of the issues and themes that we're getting in. What do you hope for this special issue? What do you wanna see coming out of these contributions and the podcasts that we're recording right now? There are so many people out there that care, right? But we're taught that there's only one path to walk towards changing society, or we're, we're at least ingrained on us, right? You you go to you go to you go to high school, you get your degree, you go to college, you go to you get all of this all of this stuff, and then you're gonna go change the world at some point in time down the line, right? And at a certain point in time, I just see so many people sort of getting lost in in that in that path. I felt like I was able to kind of take a take a step away from that because I spent so much time, like ten years in practice working in the American Lung Association doing health promotion programming and getting frustrated as hell trying to get money to do stuff to change things and i remember i i, I remember to my bitter disappointment right so a, a, a local researcher who was involved in asthma great did, wrote a great paper a super super paper on on asthma and and i asked this professor to be an evaluator on a grant that i was going in because the grant required there to be an evaluator and 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 they bid the money, almost a third of the money was gonna to go to this professor to evaluate the grant. And the grant wasn't for very much. And I was just, I, I can't do this. I can't do this anymore. I can't, this is just a game, right? This, this professor doesn't really wanna do this work or else they do it for free. They want to do this for other reasons. They're gonna charge, which is, I mean, I get it, I get it. And at the same time, I felt like health promotion is sort of like losing its way, right? From, from when people used to do things with dirt, nothing, right? And for me, that's kind of, I think in some way, part of the, part of the magical ethic of this, of this conversation we just had right now. You just need a camera. You don't need a very expensive one. And you just need a bunch of voices who, who care, who, who, wanna, who, wanna, who wanna do something. My frustration is that I don't think grantors inside this sort of qualitative pocket that we're in have, have the sensibility to kind of understand the, the power. So if we do a special issue, that's gonna be sourced, I would think, in a bunch of people writing grants, right? A bunch of people 
pushing this back up to NIH, pushing this back up to a place where this, this is really now, it's a, it establishes the tradition in a, in a form. Your work is key in terms of that public elevation, working with boys and girls clubs, doing all that kind of stuff. I wanted to have a, so I have a laugh about, is there a capital V in photo voice, right? Because that's classic. You see those articles come through and someone's Googled photo voice. I even got corrected the first time I, I wrote a proposal and then they went back, oh no, it's got a capital V in the middle of it. And you know, they don't, they don't understand that there's this whole sort of business that's grown up around photo voice. It's a quasi business. I don't know how super profitable it is, but there's like people doing some work in this in, in right and righteous ways. And at the same time, academia has sort of like gotten stuck in this puddle where Kathy says people go, people, people, you know, you got to have the big vision before you go in. You got to put your big boy pants on before you put, before you take this method on. Right. And, and I think that that's a good, that, that was cool to hear Kathy. Cause that kind of, that kind of challenges us, right. To really think about this as serious. It's the little method that could, but it's not, it's not like, it's not, it's the cost, it's, it's like a subversion. It's like, it's like a little, little, it's a little Gramsci project, right? Inside, <laughs> inside something larger. You know what's changed over time though, I've noticed, and maybe you've picked up on this too, but from when I start, first started doing this method in various communities, various topics, various you know, strategies, lengths, et cetera, the thing that's come up in spades, and I'd say in the last eight years, is storytelling. This awareness of humans' need for story, humans' need for connection. And it's an old, this is an old theme, right? So, I mean, one of the things that's drawn me to some of the people that I work with is people's love, love of Joseph Campbell, Carl Jung, and mm -hmm. using sort of like the metaphorical thinking that we have, archetypal thinking for have, how we use to create sense out of society, sense out of our lives. And if you look at human experience, it's really about sense making. So researchers come at it with data and logic, but most people operate from a realm of uh, connection and humanity. And the thing about photo voice is it provides a platform for a little bit of both. It provides right. a platform for the storytelling and an extent that the commercial sector, you know, the capitalist sector has really latched on to storytelling and what they've really researched it. And the researchers are doing it some and doing more of it. And I think there's this hunger right now in this moment in society for those connections and storytelling and the, the pieces of story and connection are really the next frontier of research. So I, I, I predict researchers and research funders are going to begin to value and expect some credibility to what this method is embodied in, what its, what's its foundation and roots are, which is really around human connection. So there's a lot of work to do. So I'm really kind of curious about what are some of the other conversations you want to have in these podcasts to bring to people? What are some of the things you want to uncover, to pick apart, to talk about, to explore with other photo voice thinkers? Well, I do want to, I do want to talk, I think the focusing on power and, and focusing because that's that's the first step to being able to tell a story, right? Is is putting yourself in a in a position of vulnerability, right? To show a part of yourself. And and I push back on this idea of lived experience a little bit, because that's that's one way of viewing experience. I, I think of it more as living experience. 
of recreating our experiences. The photo tells one story to one person, but then it tells a different story two seconds later. And the caption, the caption. There's this, there's this, there's this wonderful quote, I think it's Uli Steck. It, it, it's, it may be Uli Steck or it may be Thompson in England who did, did a bunch of visual work with the quasi-photo voice study. But anyway, she, she was noticing how kids, uh, kids can kind of like, kids are so like plastic in terms of their, their ways of thinking is that they can take, look at an image and express a kind of traditional concept, conceptualization. And then with a little bit of quizzing, with their friends, they'll take it, they'll turn the picture upside down, and they'll come up with a new idea about how this is formulated. And they're actually working in different sort of bands of knowledge. What, what you talk about in terms of storytelling, storytelling kind of reaches out through past, through, through varieties of knowledges, right? For varieties of epistemologies, like indigenous, but also uh, critical, crit, crit, critical, critical theory, you know, bunch of different ways of personal ways of knowing, socio-political ways of knowing, all of these different ways of knowing sort of encapsulated in that sort of storytelling dynamic. But, but, but the photo is a prompt for and a stimulus for all of these different ways of confronting reality. Well, isn't that, that's, that's Freire right there. That's critical consciousness. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. that's that movement from passive adaptation to some emotional engagement. Yeah. So yeah. like the cognitive awakening about root causes and then and then that anger that comes with wanting to take action and do something about it. It's that transition from passive adaptation or passive acceptance of a situation to I can't take this anymore, I gotta do something. Right. And and that's and that's the other second second conversation I really want to have with Ryan and Kathy yeah. is this whole thing about critical consciousness because you know, Kathy's awesome that she can, she can make me think about something with just two words. Like, so she, the last time we met, she was talking about solidarity. It was like, I think it's the Melbourne accent. It's solidarity. And I'm interested in, you know, the solidarity is really uh, that you have to give something for solidarity. Right. And I was like, ah, thanks, Kathy. I'm going to settle on that thought and think about that for a whole month before I see you again. So it's We're Americans. We don't give, we just take. <laughs> and like, and like Ryan's, conceptualization about power and groundedness is just like you know super cool so having them kind of talk about so conversations about power right some traditional and non-traditional kind of conceptualizations of power but and how photo boys might undermine that or reinvent that i i think it does through some of the things of storytelling and then that critical consciousness conversation and then you know Claudia Mitchell, to me, is someone I don't really know very well. So I really want to sort of get a better idea about, she's just so expansive. She's right. done these in different places that it's going to be super exciting to kind of get her in a room and, and try and talk with her around that. And then our, our conversation, Kathy, we had a great the counter narrative and how do you get voice out to people and how do you recognize a moment in society where another yeah. paradigm is required in the public, in the public square? where that conversation has a representation of all parties and using it in a very proactive way with all the commitments that he got from the city to have a counter voice to a very negative time in our country's history was just a beautiful thing to listen to. I'm excited about the conversation. I, I, I wonder with Ed. whether you should be at that because you and Ed go way back. At, at, oh, we do. In, in, terms, in terms of that work. So, you know, this can be part of the sort of the unscripted, unedited part of the podcast where you just, allow you put you put it up without editing so, because it's that section i have to tell you the joke that ed always told me you know it's like a grasshopper walks into a bar 
And the bartender says, hey, we got a drink named after you. And the grasshopper says, you got a drink named Bob? <laughs> a terrible joke. We made Ed tell that joke no less than 30 times as we trooped every around. Sophie, every Sophie meeting. As we trooped around DC. There's, we a, made there's a British translation for that one, actually. Oh, um, so it was like Ed's in the bar. And he goes, what, Eric? So, yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. But Ed's a passionate, just like, you know, the thing I love about the, the board we put together, and we didn't know all these people. We've got people all around the country. We've got people from Canada, all around the world. They're on this thing. And we're having these conversations. And the thing that strikes me in these conversations, which I think is what's prompted us to have these conversations, is the people that are drawn to this method have a passion and a drive that's palpable from the minute you mm -hmm. talk to them. And that, that sense of duty to lend voice, it's, it's just there. It's like ingrained in how they approach their mindset about truth, the discovery of truth, and the role of researchers in society. And it's, you, you don't have to pull it out of them. It's just evident in everything they say and do. I mean, don't you agree? And the rediscovery of truth. Oh, yes, yeah, thank you. I do agree. I do agree. And, you know, we started planning this a couple of years ago, and I, I picked the, the date just kind of arbitrarily when I, I accepted a certain term for this appointment. But I don't think there could be a more important time to call people to think about this method and all of the commitments behind the method than now. There are so many stories that need to be told in a different way, so many life experiences that need to be brought forward and and shared and and you know and inter and and in the mix and and what time in our at least in our lifetimes can we imagine where facts and information had just kind of lost their power and new ways of knowing are needed again and the artful researchers ability to weave together a coherent new story or a new narrative that's useful that's actionable for policy and for system and environmental change and, and mind change and heart change, there's no better time than right now. We need this method and we need these commitments, I think now more than ever. Yeah, it's funny, I, I, think, about, I think about whether, oh, PhotoForce, when people used to have those digital cameras, we don't, you can't even, it's really, they're getting really hard to buy, right? <laughs> so obviously we've all got switched to the photos we're taking all our time, but you know, the question always kind of comes to mind is, is this an outdated method? because it relies on a camera. And everybody's taking photographs all the time. We've got Instagram, what do you need photos for? <laughs> uh, we've got movies. We, uh, my daughter kind of lives and breathes YouTube the entire day long, right? It's, it's, it's the only thing keeping her going during COVID <laughs> lockdown, right? Uh, but at what point in time are we completely inundated by images that we cease to care anymore, that they don't, they don't mean anything, they don't matter to us anymore? And I, I worry about that inside this method. And yet I still sort of see it failing through this. No, I, I see here. It's I see. quite about Instagram. It's not quite about right. YouTube. It's different than that. It's not even the same. Yeah, it's totally different. Years ago, someone asked me, how come you're not doing video voice, right? Instead of photo voice. Because now you can do these videos. I said, you know what? Here's why. Because of all the reasons you just said, we're inundated with images coming across our face. We're inundated with the opportunity to see documentaries. I mean, documentaries are now as popular as big run Hollywood productions. Why? Because they're telling a story. Right. But the thing that's different about photo voice 
and the static image is the, the caption that goes with it. And you've heard me say this a mm -hmm. hundred times is the, the image is only 10% of the package, right? It's the caption that matters and the discussion that goes into creating the caption and the combination of that photo and that caption creates enough space for a reflective connection with the person that took, took the photo and the person that's telling the story. It's that moment of reflection that you need. It's that moment to really think about what's being said. And I'll argue all the time with folks and I argue, encourage is a better word, that if you're gonna do photo voice, you really need to have an exhibit. You need to have something mm -hmm. where the photographers have a chance to represent their voice, their images, their caption. Mm -hmm. And you need the space to where the people you're trying to move, the influencers, the community leaders, the parents, the, mm -hmm. the media, get a chance to look at a photo and look a person that took the photo in the eye and have a conversation with them. And that mm -hmm. conversation is what moves people. Mm -hmm. So I would argue the opposite, that this is needed now more than ever because it creates that space for a deeply reflective thought to give its attention that it's deserving of. Right. And so it's that moment, that that element of human connection of story, that pause to reflect on what's going on here and not just say, oh, that's terrible. And then moving on to the next thing. You need that. You need to hold that space so that that issue gets its diligence that it deserves and its attention that it's deserve that it deserves. And that's how it's not the same as all the things you articulate. It's really it really sets it apart. Is it possibly, Kathy, that it's the, one of the essences of health promotion practice, this core that Bob's talking about, that reflective moment with community person, that, that connection that we make across our human divides, that somehow the photograph is brokering this type of a connection for change, I would hope, I would hope that in our practice that that was center and centered and, and that we were mindful of that. I'm not sure that we always are, you know, like, like you were speaking about earlier, Robin, that, that sometimes we're just in the business of, of doing our work or doing our job or, you know, meeting outcomes and, and it's just a machine, but at just as you say, at the heart of this work that so many of us have chosen, have been drawn to, is the, the generativity that's, that's there, that's not bound because we are an, an open and always growing field because we're interdisciplinary. I mean, just look at the backgrounds that the three of us come from and brought, and, and you know, we're just a small representation of people who love this work. So I would also hope that at the center of our journal is that kind of people, person, power, place, time, connection that inspires people to think more deeply and, and open more freely and, and engage with more intention at all the stages of the work that they're doing, whether it's imagining a study or interacting with with participants and collaborators or writing up their article or doing their podcast, that there are so many ways of telling these stories and that we're not really done with the work until the stories have been told. Yeah. Uh, yes. It, it, the, so, 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 it, it, and, and stories require some sort of reflection. I, I, I'm going to answer my, my original prompt. It's photo voice outdated here. 
with, with a, a, a reference back to Roland Barthes, who wrote this beautiful book called Camera Lucida. And in, in my graduate studies, I read it. He's, he's the master of the run-on sentence, Arden. So if you've ever been corrected for having too long a sentence, just read Roland Barthes and use the semicolon, and then you're good to go for a whole par paragraph. So you can just have one sentence paragraphs full of semicolons, you're good to go. <laughs> but anyway, he, he, had, he was a, he, there's a little bit of the photo nerd in the people that like to continue to do photo voice work, right? So there are people that like that framed image. Some, some people in my larger family, I'm not mentioning the people next door, they, they don't want to go to an art gallery display that's just got photos on the wall, right? They want, they want, those, they want those stories, they want that engagement. That's kind of like the power of the words that go along with the photo. But Roland Barthes sort of argued against the moving image because he said it doesn't allow for that sort of the necessary reflection that you need to have when you, when you encounter a still of something, right? And, and that... And that reflection is actually an interactive moment. Mm -hmm. But I just, I, I was that always struggling. Yes. That yeah. holding of yeah. an important value that someone's trying to share with you. That's, it's yeah. that, that piece of it is just so fun. Yeah. Yeah. Good I'm stuff. No, I'm really excited about these conversations and I know they're going to be really, really great. And I'm excited to see the articles that come in to, like we said at the beginning, right? To pick the method apart, to ask it question, the hard questions. How do we evaluate? How do we, how do we get the grant writers to appreciate what's going on here? How do we have short and long-term measures? How long is a photo waste project? How long should a caption be? How do you keep people engaged? All those kinds of things we've been talking about. I'm very excited to see what people have to say about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. How do we push the field? Thank you for listening to this week's episode from the HPP podcast. If you enjoyed this content, let us know. You can find more from us on our website, social media, Sophie and Sage, and you can find all of these links in the podcast description. Take care.